Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So yet one more Sunday where we hear a question that Peter asks Jesus. No, you didn't miss anything in the reading. Our gospel reading starts with Jesus telling a parable about people getting work, getting to work in a vineyard. But again, a little context goes a long way. When Jesus starts telling the parable, it's good for us to ask, well, why is he telling us this and who is he talking to? The context keeps us out of trouble. And for us, this context is that he's speaking to the disciples. The parable is for the disciples. After watching a very righteous, rich young man who claimed to have kept all the commandments from his youth turn away from Jesus because of his wealth, Peter then pipes up and makes this comment. See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Well, that's the context, and that's the question. What's in it for me? If I'm following you, Jesus, and I left everything, well, I must get something special, right? It's only fair. Now, on one hand, Jesus affirms Peter and the Twelve. They have a special role in God's plan of announcing his kingdom. They are the apostles. They're sent to the nations, authorized to baptize and to teach. They were the ones chosen for that particular task. And according to Jesus' own words, they will be seated in honor with Jesus on Judgment Day. Now, that's the vocation that Jesus has called them to. But to answer the question of what they will have, as if there will be some other special payment over and above everyone else, well, Jesus tells this parable, a parable about his kingdom. It's early morning. It's the cool hours of the day when the sun is just peeking out over the horizon. The grapes are glistening with the morning dew. The vineyard is huge, spanning many acres, and those grapes are ripe and ready for the picking. picking. So the master of the house goes out to find day laborers because those grapes aren't going to pick themselves, and offers the wage for a day's work, which is a denarius. So hearing the wage, the first group of laborers get to work in the vineyard. Well, the sun starts to rise, and so too does the temperature. The master of the household goes to the marketplace and sees other laborers milling about. And he offers them, he offers to pay them and sends them off to work in the vineyard, picking the grapes. And then it's noon. There's still work to be done. The master gathers up more laborers, and again in the late afternoon, and again at dinner time, each time promising to give what is right as he sends them off to work in the vineyard. <clears throat> then at the close of the day, the master goes one more time to the marketplace and still finds some standing around. He asks them why they aren't working. Then they say, well, no one's hired us. Instead of laughing at them or condemning their laziness, surprisingly, the master hires even them and puts them to work in his vineyard. When the accounts are being settled and the master is going to give them their paycheck, he starts with the guys who came last to the vineyard, the ones who worked only an hour. They did the least amount of work because they worked the least amount of time because, well, they wasted most of the day in the marketplace. And on top of all that, they worked when it was arguably the most pleasant time of the day to work. Well, lo and behold, these guys get paid for a whole day's work. It's one denarius for just an hour of labor. You can imagine the look of the faces of others waiting in line to receive their pay. Shock and disbelief. Disbelief, and then in greedy expectation as the wheels in their minds start turning. It dawns on them that if these slackers got paid richly for an hour, we who got out early in the morning, who worked the full day under the blazing hot sun, well, 
we're going to get so much more. But that's now not how it plays out. Every single laborer, from the one who worked an hour to the one who worked, worked the full day, gets the exact same payment. One denarius. And the grumbling ensued. It's not fair. Peter said, we left everything to follow you. What then will we have? Well, Jesus reminds him of the economy of his kingdom. And he says to Peter, you will have the same thing that I generously offer to all who follow me. You will have eternal life. I give it to whom I give it to. I desire all to receive it. I came to call over and over again. I desire no one to be left standing idle, but to find purpose and meaning in their vocations, the vocations that I call them to. It makes no difference whether I, when I call them, what station in life they fulfill. I offer the same to all, no matter where they're from or what they have done. What will you have, Peter? Well, you will have the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation, and that is all you need. Such a wonderful corrective to our notion of self-importance. It's a gracious blow to our self-righteousness. Jesus brings down the proud and raises up the lowly and puts each and every one of us on the same level ground. The last shall be first and the first last. Now, on one hand, I, I wish Peter would have kept his fool mouth shut. Not because I think I would have done any better. No, I wish he would have kept his mouth shut and not asked the question that I know that I would have asked. Lord, I could have I could have done anything else, but I went to school knowing that I'd spend an additional four years studying to be a pastor, spending money that I didn't have, sacrificing time with family and friends so that I could labor in your vineyard for the last 15 years, filled with various hardships and heartbreaks. Well, that's got to get me a special seat at the table a higher honor than others, or at least a gold star sticker that I can proudly wear on my puffed-out chest. And then I hear the parable, and I hear Jesus saying to me, well, I have called you to follow me. I have called you to serve as a pastor, yes. You have carried crosses in your vocation that others have not. You have had the honor of working in places where others have not as well. But my son, you have the same thing that I offer to all. You have me. I've labored for you, and you are mine. I endured the cross for you and paid your debt of sin with my blood. Forgiveness, life, salvation, they are all yours, and that is enough. Now, it's possible that this desire for Peter to keep his mouth shut for the same reason is, is, is just the desire of pastors, but I doubt it. I guess that you have had that struggle too. You feel that way that Peter did. You look around and you make comparisons. I mean, you know what you do, what you give, what you suffer. Pride creeps in because you feel that what you do, what you give, and what you suffer are greater than other people. And maybe you don't put it to words, but you wear it as a badge of pride, a silly little gold star sticker on your puffed-out chest. We'll hear the parable again. Hear Jesus saying to you, I have called you to follow me. I have called you to serve as a son or a daughter, a mother, a father, a brother, or sister. I have uniquely gifted you as I knit you together in your mother's womb. 
You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and I know every day that I have ordained for you. I know the joys and the struggles you face in your vocations. I know the ups and downs that come. I know the crosses that you bear in your vocations and the honors that come as well. But my dear son or daughter, do not think that because of your station in life or how hard you work in them earns you any special privilege before me. I have given you what I offer to all. I give you myself. I have suffered the cross for you. I have humbled myself for you. I have paid the debt of your sin with my blood, and I offer to you what I offer to all. Forgiveness of sin, life, and salvation. They are all yours, and that is enough. What beautiful and precious gifts our Lord Jesus gives. Now, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, all of us. We are, each and every one of us, standing on level ground in the eyes of God. But then the mercy of God calls us. The master of the house invites us first to be his, and then to labor in his vineyard with meaningful work in our vocations. And just as we come with our sin, Jesus pays the same gracious wage to us all, a wage undeserved, the forgiveness of our sins at his expense. He gives it to the young and the old, the rich and the poor, those from seemingly low positions in life and those in supposed high positions. At the cross, the sins of all are atoned for, and from the cross, the forgiveness of Christ is offered to all. But you know, the day is not yet over. There is still labor to do in the master's vineyard. The fields are still ripe, and we pray that the Lord of the harvest will send workers into his fields to do the work that he has called us to do. Pastors, proclaim publicly the mercies of God, baptize, preach, teach, and deliver God's gifts to God's people. Parents, bring your children to the baptismal font to be washed by the Lord. Teach them to know the mercies of God in Christ Jesus in your household. Pray for them. Pray with them. Discipline them. Forgive them. Children, honor your parents as ones through whom you are given every good thing. See that they are God's agents of care and protection for you, to show you what it looks like to be an imperfect follower of a gracious God. Now, whoever you are, whatever vocations the Lord has called you to, the work of living as a follower of Jesus and making his mercies known is your labor. Now, this will continue in all your life. It will continue in until the sun sets on this age and the harvest is gathered. When the master of the household, the king of creation, comes to settle accounts, the fullness of his wage will be paid. Forgiveness of sin, life, salvation, all will be fully realized at the close of this age. And as we come into the new age, life under the new heavens and on the new earth, we will experience the full effect of the wage paid at the cross and delivered to us in our baptism. We will live with our Lord, and sin will be no more. Life in its fullness will be experienced with our Lord, and this life lived in the risen and glorified, glorified flesh will endure forever. Then we will see the full extent of our Lord's salvation, for all things will have been made new. There will be no more weeping, suffering, death, no more tears, no more pride, no more jealousy, no more crosses, only glory and honor 
and only because of Jesus. There we, will, there we will see those who have come last and those who have come first, and we will celebrate the fact that Christ Jesus came for all to offer each and every one of us forgiveness of sin, life, and salvation. And that is more than enough. Amen.